as we uh, consider the question of who needs prayer, we take a look at Paul's first letter to Timothy in that second chapter. And Paul says, I urge then that, first of all, request prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving. Be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. And this has now been witnessed to us at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying. And a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Dear friends in Christ, when we uh, look around the world, we sometimes wonder to ourselves, how long will this world be in its present state? And as we reflect, going back to that first lesson on prayer with Abraham speaking with the Lord, we can wonder if we've already surpassed the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, for example, and if society could ever change and turn around and repent. And so we might be tempted to throw up our hands in despair and say, Lord, how long will it be before you return? Well, part of that is because it seems that the world has gotten much more sinful in the last decades and even years. Part of that attitude might be that society that we live in, it's impatient, and we want things now or even sooner. This morning we're again reminded that The Lord has his own time according to his plans. And Paul says in our text that God wants all people to be saved. Well, in Peter's second letter, we're also told that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you and not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So the world goes on and the Lord He waits patiently for people to come to repentance. Because of what Paul is telling us here, we know that there is great joy that we have God, our Savior, who wants all to be saved. And he gives us direction and encouragement. He gives us about how that came about. We know that through the cross. And how we can be a part of God's saving plan. And today as we consider what we can do with that fact, There's two things that Paul wants us to do. First of all, he wants us to pray constantly for all people. And secondly, to proclaim God's word of truth. Now, in Paul's first letter to fellow pastor Timothy, these are the words of Paul, who's a veteran mission missionary. And now he's returning back to do more mission work. And he left behind Timothy at the church at Ephesus. And Paul's going to give Timothy advice and encouragement. And he gives instructions for worship for the congregation there and also for Timothy's private worship. In the second chapter, verse 1, Paul talks about praying and praying and and praying again. He says, I urge then that all requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. And he uses four words to say the same thing. Pray, pray, pray some more. 
In other words, Paul says, pray constantly. And that last word of prayer is with thanksgiving. The prayers of the believers of the congregation and the private prayers of believers are to be made for everyone. He says, for everyone. And he says, for kings and all those in authority. That would show their true Christian character that they should pray for those who are in authority, no matter what country they're living in. Now, at this time, when Paul's writing to Timothy, Nero is obviously the ruler of Rome. And if you remember Nero in history, he used to use Christians at night as torches to light up the city as he would kill them and burn them even. Yes, Paul, he says to pray even for him. Pray for kings and all those in authority. Why? To pray that they may change their hearts. And that will benefit, obviously, Christians. He says, pray for kings and those in authority that we may live in peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And if an unbeliever's heart is changed, well, that benefits the Christian so that we can live in that quietness and peacefulness, holiness. God would be able to do that. He would be able to change the hearts of those who are opposed to him. God obviously did this for the Apostle Paul, and Paul knew that nothing would be impossible with God. And that's why Paul encourages Timothy. He encourages those believers to pray constantly for all people. And at the end of our text, he says, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer and do that without anger or disputing. He says that the unity of the Christian faith is that we are to pray for those in authority. Pray for all people. And pray, yes, even for those rulers and those who are opposed to the gospel. Sometimes we may forget to pray for those who stand against us. Sometimes we, get to, we may forget to pray for those who are opposed to the gospel. And yet we realize that they're there. The enemies are all around us who stand opposed to what Christ has to say and also to teach. And we're also to pray for those who follow other gods. How sad it is for them that they are uncertain about their future, whereas we as Christians know of the certainty of eternal life that we will have. The Lord says to, work, to pray for them so that their hearts may be changed and that they may come to the knowledge of the truth, the truth of salvation. Jesus says in Matthew 5, I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Our Lord says that we're to pray and pray and pray some more. And not just for people we know, but also for people that we don't know especially those opposed to the gospel of Christ. Why? The Lord can change their hearts. The Lord encourages us to to pray. But we can realize, too, that those prayers are not offered in vain. Our Lord encourages us to pray because he's anxious to hear us. The Lord, he encourages us to pray because he wants to answer those prayers. That's exactly what the prophet Isaiah does in reminding us. God says, before they call, I will answer. 
And while they are still speaking, I will hear. Imagine that. We have a God who's able to hear us and to answer our prayers. He's unlike any other God. Why? Because he's the only true God who can do that. He's the God of our Savior who wants all people to be saved. He wants us to come to him in constant prayer. And as we come to him in prayer, we also pray that we pray for those who are members of God's family already. Pray for one another that you and I would be strengthened, Paul says, in faith, knowing that we're sinners who have been saved by God. We've been saved in this Reformation month, we know, by grace. And we read in Hebrews, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Yes, we need encouragement and prayers daily, because we know that the deceitfulness of sin, it can sneak up on any of us, because all of us are on this side of heaven, right? And we know that we have a sinful earthly nature. We can fall into the snares of Satan's traps. We can also know that we can be really tricked by the wickedness of the world. And all this reminds us that God wants all people to be saved. And so we're to pray, to pray for one another, pray for enemies, and pray for ourselves. And in that way, we can be encouraged to take Paul's second step in this reading. And that is to proclaim the truth of God's word. Paul realized how many people were praying for him. You know, he himself says, I'm the greatest of all sinners. Well, yeah, Paul was a, a persecutor of Christians. Those who were the followers of the way. The way being Jesus, the, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And Paul, he becomes a proclaimer of Jesus Christ. Why? Because of Paul's power and his intelligence? No. It was because of the power of God. And Paul says, here, this is good. And it pleases God, our Savior. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. He's now a proclaimer of the gospel. He's the one who is now sent by God instead of being against God. Of course, he adds these words, too. He says, I'm telling the truth. I am not lying. Well, he had to say that because there were many of those Jews, too, and perhaps those who were believers in Christ already, who said, you know, is Paul truly a believer? You know, he was formerly Saul. But he basically says, yes. I've come to proclaim God's message and especially to proclaim it to the household of faith. And then he goes on to say, and I'm a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. Now, you know that during that time, Gentiles, well, you know, first of all, you and I are Gentiles. If we're not born of Jewish of descent, we're Gentiles. But at Paul's time, those Gentiles, they were untouchable. They were the ones who were unclean. And Paul's stating that to them, I have come to proclaim the message of salvation as a teacher of the true faith to Gentiles. What was that message? Well, it was a very simple one. 
And Paul says there's one God, one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Paul explains that there's a mediator, a go-between, between God and man. There is one who is speaking on behalf of mankind. There's one who is speaking of mankind's wickedness to God who is without sin. It's that man, the Savior, Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on to say that the defense of man has been open and shut. The case is closed because of Jesus. He's paid the price. He's the ransom of our souls. He was the testimony that was given at the proper time to all. That judgment, it was on Jesus instead of on us. And so we can be thankful. And that's the message that you and I are to proclaim. That word of truth. And we know that there are some people who are going to deny it and that can't be dismissed. It's easy for us to say, oh yes, I can pray, I can do that. We can always do that. But the Lord says that he wants us to take our prayers seriously as we pray for encouragement for us to proclaim the truth. Because we know without hearing the message, there can't be any believers. Paul asked these questions in Romans 10. We even sang about it in our hymn of the day. You know, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not even heard about? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? Sometimes you and I can maybe forget in our consciousness of the awesome grace that God has given to us. That he wants all people to be saved. It's simply and purely out of divine grace. God has saved us so that we might be able to pray for others. God saved us so that we might be able to proclaim his word of truth to others. Again, in this society, you know, we may know of someone who needs to hear that message. You might know of someone who needs words of encouragement. But we know that perhaps they're not always anxious to hear the word of God and what he has to say to them. But what do they do? What do those people do? They see our lives. And sometimes we see that our actions can speak a louder, more powerful message than even our words. We can be encouraged by the words that Paul wrote to the Colossians. He says, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity, and let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. He says, now is the time of the testimony of our Savior that we can do by our words and our actions. And as believers, you know, we plant the seed, we know, right? And who reaps the harvest? It's God. And we know how little control we have over that seed in the ground after it's been planted. And so what do we do? We trust in the Lord to do the rest. And as believers, we know it's the same as we proclaim that message of God's word. We proclaim it, and then we trust God. We trust him to do the rest because we know when it comes right down to it, not all people are saved, are they? 
Some are always going to deny the Lord. And they choose that path of destruction for themselves. Paul said to the Ephesians, these people, they're darkened in their understanding. And they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. And it's due to the hardening of their hearts. You know, we look at Paul. You know, he had formerly hardened his heart, right? So hard and for a long time until God was able to, by his grace, bring Saul at that time into the light of salvation. And the simple desire that God has for us is one simple mission in life, to bring people to the light of Christ. And as children of God, we know the blessings that we have in this life, and they come from above. There's also the joy of our eternal salvation. Remember back when Jesus was that baby and he was brought into the the temple? And there's that man, Simeon. And Simeon realized that he saw the joy of his salvation, that the Lord had kept his promise to Simeon. You know, Simeon was an old man, and he had waited a long, long time, a long time to see the Lord's salvation. And the Lord, in his time, he allowed that to happen. And we have Simeon's words, and they can be our words too. We can say, for my eyes have seen your salvation. We've seen it with eyes of faith, which you've prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. He reminds us again and again that the light of salvation is for believers and unbelievers. God wants all people to be saved. And he encourages us who are his children, to pray constantly for all, to proclaim that word of truth so that all would come to a knowledge of the truth that Jesus died. He didn't die for himself. He died for you and me and everyone of all time. Let's do that. So I ask the question, who needs prayer? I think by now you know everyone. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen.